Well, welcome to another Acoustic Alternatives, a little different look on this one today. In fact, we might even redub this one Electric Alternatives. I'm John Bomarito, normally from Grove Studios, which is where I've been doing the podcast since it began uh, in the fall of 2020. They are gracious hosts and a great place to, uh, if you're looking for a place to practice your, your band or if you're a DJ looking for a place to do that thing uh, and not disturb your neighbors. They're a great choice for you, Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. But today we're from Allen Audio, which is where Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds did their last Ebert and Friends show. It was recorded here, or actually done live from here. And uh, we're going to talk to Aaron Zindel and the band after we get a, a some performance. But before we do that, I want to thank the guy who makes this possible. David Palmer is a guy who's been a fan of what I've been doing for many years, uh, what I was doing on the radio. You can visit him at dcpalmer.com. He's an associate broker realtor serving clients in the city of Detroit and throughout the region. And I'll give you a little bit more information about David Palmer later. But meanwhile, it is my pleasure to welcome to Acoustic Alternatives, Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds. Triage to 
the perfect reintroduction to Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds, the new sound, uh, very different than uh, where, where you were when I first met you many years ago, and uh, it's such an intense song, <laughs> and because I kind of know the background of the story, it also hits you differently when you know what you were feeling when you wrote that, but uh, wow, that's all I gotta say. That has to be the opener on whatever next record you're putting out, it has to be, because that's just, that's a, like an in. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're still deciding what even that next thing is going to be, so we'll see. Uh, I hope it's an album of some sort, a record. I mean, the <laughs> people that release singles periodically, it's nice, but I still, like, I just don't ever pull out a single like that anymore. I'd rather have a full collection of, of songs myself. That's just the way I personally consume music, so. Yeah, me too. Works for me. So this is Erin Zindel and her band, The Ragbirds. Erin, uh, correct me, you grew up in New York, right? Yep, Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, very nice. Set the scene of what it was like growing up as a Zindel in Buffalo, New York for me. Oh. Um, like your brother did, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my brother TJ did. <laughs> um, well, my family was very musical, though they're not musicians. Um, so we, did, we sang a lot together growing up, so it was nice to... Um, we, my parents didn't really listen to music very much, uh, except for some Christian gospel stuff they, my, that my mom would put on once in a while. But mostly, we just would make our own music. And so we thought that was totally what everybody does. <laughs> and I don't know. And they also, my, my parents really encouraged my brothers and I to study our instruments. And so they, you know, they supported us when we wanted to take lessons, and I've been playing violin since I was little, and TJ grew up playing the trumpet, and our older brother Eddie played the guitar, and we just, yeah. TJ and I were in a band together back in high school. Well, I that didn't know was that. Our, that was our first little songwriting foray together, trying that, it out. Is that when the dream started to maybe do this as, as this is your main source of income, your living, so is there like a 10-year-old yeah. Aaron who dreamed about doing this for, for a living? Um, secretly, yes. I think that dream has always been inside me, but I would never have had the confidence to have said that out loud to anybody. I would never have admitted to that dream early on. Even when I was doing it, I still couldn't really believe it was... It took me a long time to even own that this is actually happening. <laughs> so. But this is the path you're on. This is the yeah. path you followed. Was there ever another path? No. No, <laughs> never another path. Did your parents encourage you to go ahead and follow your dream? Or are they thinking, oh, please do something that's more stable? I mean, yeah. you and I both know how great and stable being a musician is. Yeah, it's great and stable. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Did you have other jobs along the way when you weren't performing? Uh, no, no, you never had I've only, only ever taught and performed. So, I don't know. Some people say I've never had a real job. <laughs> What was your first instrument that you, you picked up then, the violin? I played piano a little bit before I started violin, though I didn't take formal lessons. I had a couple of little lessons to teach me the finger numbers, and then I wrote a bunch of songs on piano when I was little and um, just enjoyed playing by ear. And then I studied violin at age nine. Did you ever picture yourself more of a side woman, less of a front woman, or was that always sort of a dream of being a front woman? Oh, um... I, I toured in another band called Madison Green for five years, and I was a side woman in that band and never would have dreamed I'd ever be the front woman. <laughs> um, but after leaving that band, I had written a whole bunch of songs. In fact, when I started the Ragbirds, I was starting the recording process, and I, was, I put an ad in the paper to audition lead vocalists to sing my songs because oh. I didn't think I could be the lead vocalist. And... Um, I've, you know, since then, uh, grown a lot more confident with my voice and taken a lot of lessons, learned how to sing better because I was, I would go hoarse a lot. I had a lot of really bad habits at that time starting out. So 
yeah, I've, I've grown into the role very gradually. <laughs> and very comfortably, I, th I see as well. <laughs> Thanks. It's always been the songwriting, though, that's been the, the passion for me. And the, the performance. I mean, I love performing for people, and I've been on stages since I was little. So, but like performing my own songs um, was sort of like the only way to share them. <laughs> you know, it was sort of a default thing. So being a, you know, I, I see myself more, you know, I identify more as a songwriter than as a, a singer, you know, although obviously I have to sing my own songs to present them, so it's kind of been a, like, well, I better get my voice sounding better so I can sing the songs as well as I want to hear them. And there's a certain amount of charisma that's involved in being a front woman like you are. I mean, you have that. I mean, every time I see you, I can't help but smile. And I know a lot of people are really passionate about what you do here at Allen Audio. I noticed on the walls we've got, you know, Asia and Loverboy and, and, and Anthrax. And then there's multiple posters of you. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly you've reached, you've reached the people here. And, uh, you know, we've got some other mutual friends who are big fans of, of what you do like I am. But uh, I'm glad you've been on this path. Who did you look up to musically speaking when you were a kid? Was there somebody that you were like, oh, I love so-and-so? Well, it's funny because it was always male artists, and I think that also was was interesting. It was hard for me to... I've never really identified with a, a female role model in the scene. Not, I mean, they I know, knew they were out there. I just never really, like, identified with them, and I had a pretty male-dominated life, you know, with two brothers, and I was always hanging around with the band guys, and, you know, just never really... Um, so my early artists that I looked up to were all male singers and songwriters like Billy Joel and Paul Simon and um, Sting and I don't know, there's a lot, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't, it, yeah, I don't know. I guess lately I've been opening up more to listen to female artists and enjoying them. Most people that are proficient at the violin probably don't dream of being in a rock band, which essentially you now are in a rock band. It wasn't, again, as I first met you, but um, I think of like maybe Kansas is the only band I can think of with a, a violin player that really did well uh, as, a, as a rock band. Was that, and as you created the Ragbirds from scratch, mm -hmm. you were much more of a world music band. Was there, again, sort of a path you were planning on? I want to achieve this apex, I want to get to this goal, because as this kind of band, we can achieve it as well as this other band. Is there, was there any plan like that? No, it's just naturally unfolded in the same way. Even the stylistic um, shifting of this band over the 15 years that we've been a band um, has been a natural... I think in the beginning, when I first started writing songs for the Ragbirds, I was listening to so much world music and loved, I loved to travel through music. I loved music that made me feel like I was someplace else. And I, so I was really drawn to world music sounds and styles and immersed in that. So that came out naturally through my songwriting in those early days. And over the years, as I've been developing my voice and getting more confident in I guess like who getting to know myself better, um, I feel like the sound is evolving into something that feels, l you know, less like like me touring the world and more like me in my home, you know, and also more vocal forward. More, I'm writing songs that I can dig my own voice into more and thinking about that as a you know songwriting concept like instead of writing really hard songs I used to write songs that were really hard for me to sing and that weren't in my range and whatever and I've learned like I want to be able to like really dig my voice into this so I'm, I write melodies that I that feel good to sing and that's that's been a big change in the songwriting so that's sort of been a gradual evolution I haven't really looked towards any goal and, and aimed for that just sort of let things unfold and tried to be true to the process. Well, again, as a violin player, did you ever consider another path like an orchestra or a Celtic band would have been more, I guess, in line with violin? Is that mm -hmm. ever a thought? Um, well, I've played so many different styles and, and was in many orchestras um, in, in high school and in my younger years. Um, but I didn't really enjoy the, the feeling of playing, you know, in that competitive a classical environment. It wasn't, I've, I've always, I, I'm doing this because I have songs to sing. 
you know, I'm not doing this because, oh, I'll just play my violin. I just want to play my violin for a living and whatever. I'll play with this band, a cover band, whatever, like classical. I don't care. I just want to play. Some people have that attitude towards it, and that's fine and good. But for me, it's like I'm playing because I have songs to sing. And so I write the parts I want to hear in those songs. And this is like all of this is like supporting the songs. Do you remember the reaction to your first show as the Ragbirds, like how that would have felt 15 years ago, people responding to your original music? The first Ragbirds show, like how the crowd responded? Yeah, do you remember how that, do you oh remember that feeling? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, it was huge. And so um, we, we started off in, in Ypsilanti at the TC Speakeasy, and there was a, quite a little scene at that time that we would play all the time at that we'd play at the open mic that was kind of our first shows were were there and it was always just so packed and so hyped up and there was so much energy and such a positive um joyful response to the songs and that that you know that's always been something that keeps me going you know the songs get me onto the stage and then it's like the response is like oh well other people are really enjoying this. I should keep doing it. It feels good to share that. That's something that I've really noticed has been difficult over this last year, not being able to share it, not having that energetic connection with people. And I'm, you know, now that we're starting to reemerge and do some shows again, it's like reconnecting with that feeling of like seeing the response because it's something that's meant to be shared and, and enjoyed together. And it feels incomplete when we're playing it without that. Yeah, response. for sure. Yeah. It's nice to watch it on video, but it's much better to be in the room with you guys. <laughs> the energy's a little different. So Madison Green, were they based in Michigan, or where were they based? Yeah, in the Downriver area. Is that what Michigan. brought you to Michigan, was being no, part of that band? No. <laughs> I was, uh, after high school, I, I was dating my high school sweetheart, and his family moved to Michigan. And I decided to move with them, and we um, we joined that band together, and played in that band for five years. And then after that, um, we I started the Ragbirds. And stylistically, when you started the Ragbirds, was there some sort of hole you felt that needed to be filled? As as far as like, well, there's not really a band like this out there because there really wasn't a band like the Ragbirds when I first heard you. No, I didn't think about that at all. I just. I was just writing what I wanted to hear. And I, I, I guess I, I was aware of that because people would ask, like, well, who do you sound like? And what's your genre? So, like, you had to kind of go, well, what, I, how do we fit? How do we describe this? Because everyone wants a reference point to understand what you're doing. So I was aware that what we were doing, like, I wasn't like what any other band I could find was doing. I mean, there were some other examples. I mean, people would say early on, like, Rusted Root or something. Um, they were also, like, a, a big influence on me when I was a teenager and um, some other... I don't know. <laughs> but, no, they're, they're definitely not any uh, female-fronted bands also was a big thing. And like, we kind of were in the jam band scene a lot in those early years. And there was many times... I'd, we'd be at an entire weekend festival of jam bands and I'd be the only woman that got on stage all weekend you know so that was a, that scene I mean it's shifted and changed in the last a little bit I mean there are more more women I think doing this but sure. there really weren't a lot of examples you know early on as far as my experience with the Michigan music scene and kind of watching the levels of success that various people have achieved, I don't think anybody I've ever spoken to other than you has had an album do anything in Japan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that. How did that happen? How did it happen? Well, we, um, I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but we did uh, have a, a hit in Japan in the summer of 2009. And it was right after TJ had joined the band, right? You joined in 2008. And so they, we, we went on tour and got to play um, for like 10,000 people at this uh, festival in Yokohama called the Green Room Festival. And we had a song that was on the top pop 100 in, in, in Japan for at least for a week. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was like in between like Lady Gaga and That's like cool. there was like Black Eyed 
peas were on crazy. there. Yeah, it was. It was, but you know, and it, and it, and we had a lot of sales and a lot of you know radio play over there for a short time, and then we that was the, our only Japanese tour, though. That's still pretty cool. It's, it's not a part like of a lot summer of summer fling. Yeah, <laughs> it just it isn't part of the story of a lot of people I speak to. That's all. It's kind of a neat little little niche thing. So. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It cool was our hint. song, um, Book of Matches, yeah. which is not like a one I would think of as like, that's our pop hit. No. But that was the one. Where do you find your biggest audiences outside of the Michigan music scene? Where, where do most people show up outside of here? Oh, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of um, friends and fans in, throughout the Midwest and, and down in the Southeast um, and in Colorado and uh, Minnesota, <laughs> Wisconsin, it's Minnesota. Nice. I don't know. How far does the Midwest go exactly? I'm not sure. I don't sure. know. <laughs> I've only been outside of it a few times myself, so I don't yeah. really know. Yeah. Well, I know that they're anxious like I am to hear more new music from Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds, so I'm going to step out of the way and let you do another one. Why don't you introduce this? Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, this is one of our new songs. We've been using Patreon over the last year to kind of support the, the um, development of new material. We've been writing a lot of new songs, and we definitely have enough to fill an album, but this is, this is that first song, and, and actually all four of these songs are new and unrecorded songs. So this is called Armed and Dangerous.
Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds on Acoustical Alternatives with a little parenthesis saying electric in the middle there. <laughs> what was the name of that one again? Armed and Dangerous. Armed and Dangerous. Very cool. I like that one a lot. Well, we've met Aaron. There are several other members of this band who are extremely talented, and I'm going to turn to my left and meet brother TJ Zindel. Hello, TJ. Hey, how's it going, John? So good to see you. Likewise. It's really good to be here. I'm, I'm betting that uh, the change in the sound of the band is probably most welcomed by you, because I, I think of you as a rocker anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's mostly my fault. <laughs> it's your fault. I don't know that it's a fault. Um, when did you pick up guitar? It sounded like trumpet was your first interest. I uh, started trumpet at like eight or nine, and I started uh, bass around 12 for a minute, and then um, guitar about 13, and started writing songs, and then learned just enough to start a band, and then... Get normal life. No, that was it. <laughs> was it because you wanted to write songs that you picked up guitar and it's hard to do on a trumpet? Y yeah, kind of. Well, uh, with, the, with the bass first, like I uh, realizing like, oh, you can just do it. You know, and like, and uh, I grew up with a lot of like great Buffalo bands. Um, uh, there's a, a record label called Mary's Lounge Records that my old band, Last Conservative, we were on. So I, I got to go see all these bands playing and being like, oh, you can just do it. You don't have to be good or whatever you can just take your songs and and that energy is enough to 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 feel good so yeah can i interject and say that tj's band was actually really good <laughs> he said we don't have you don't even have to be good we opened for bon jovi one time really yeah do recordings exist of this band yes oh, oh yeah we put out uh, four records you could find them all on spotify amazon apple music all the usual spots um itunes all that stuff um what was the name of the band? Last Conservative. Hmm. They're kind of like a pop rock sort of dance, a little bit of that emo kind of thing. You um, know, we started like 97, 98, okay. until about 2006, 2007. Worth looking into. Yeah. Have you always been close to your sister? Yeah, I would say for the most part, when we were, you know, around each other, we were, you know, um, we traveled in, in different little circles, but, sure. you know, and she was a couple years older, so. What's the age difference? Just a couple just years? Just two years. Just two years? Yeah, well, yeah. My sister. Two, our older brother was two years, then Aaron's in the middle, and I'm, you know. Same with my old. family. We're all two yeah. years apart. I'm the lowest of the, the four. But That's two, good, because then you could still kind of connect, but there's right. also that, like, uh, little brother, get the hell out of here yeah. energy, you know. But you also look uh, up to them to see what not to do, because yeah. they made the mistake, oh, don't do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh thanks, older brother and sister. They, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they took some of the, uh, the early arrows for me. So when did you move <laughs> to Michigan, then? Uh, in 2009, my band had, had broken up, and, um, and their guitar player had split. So I just came out originally just to do a couple of shows that summer. And then um, I've been here for okay. almost a decade, or actually over a decade at this point. Jeepers. Yeah. Jeepers? Nobody uses that term. Time. Well, you know, I don't want to curse. I we, know. We can curse, though, if we want to, right? <laughs> you can. Okay. Still not going to, because I want to be classy with it. I know one of your favorites is Elvis Costello because you and I yes. saw him together. Who else would you say would you be your guitar playing heroes or songwriting uh, heroes? Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Oh, a lot nice. of Radiohead. Um, yeah. Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. A lot of early Pearl Jam. I, you know, grew up through all the Seattle stuff and watching Eddie Vedder jump off the the balcony in the Alive video I was like, oh, that's what I'm gonna do. And every time I've jumped into a crowd, they've they've parted, <laughs> but one one day they're gonna. Move me a couple feet, and then I'll be like, I, I did it. They caught me. <laughs> they caught me. That, and, and Johnny Greenwood hitting the guitar and creep, that was like, oh, I want to play guitar now. Okay, cool. There's very, very the, specific moments. Yep. Has there been a favorite gig that you've ever played? Like a, a moment in a gig, you're like, oh, that was the best gig ever. Because you might say that after every gig, but. Uh, that Bon Jovi gig was pretty cool. That was at an arena. We, uh, we, we had won um, XM Radio's Best Unsigned Band of 2006, I think. And Bon Jovi did a tour on the Have a Nice Day tour. They, it was great because they just had a regional band open in every market as direct support. And they, and they gave us, like, full reign. Like, you can have all these channels. Like, they didn't say you got to turn the power amps down. And, and it was, like, you know, 13,000, 14,000 people. So, you know, it was pretty nuts. Um, That's a nice memory. Yeah, you know, and that'll probably never happen again. Well, <laughs> I can't see Aaron Sandal the Ragbirds opening for Bon Jovi, but it could happen, I suppose. Not likely. Uh, I've got to call John, see how he's I, doing. I meant to wear my Zindels t-shirt to represent yes. the duo that you had with your sister. Uh, are there, uh, you, you mentioned this before we actually started this, that you're working on some of your own solo material. Tell me about what's going on with your next record. Yeah, I've, um, throughout the quarantine, I, you know, obviously had a lot of time, and I've pretty much been making a record on my iPad, 
and uh, Jamie Candeloro, who did the last, uh, the last Ragbirds record, he produced it, and he's done um, R.E.M. and Willie Nelson and a bunch of other people. Um, um, so yeah, I've got about seven songs done. Um, trying to figure out a game plan of, you know, whether I, I, I know you mentioned I'm kind of the same way. I prefer EPs or records. Um, but um, yeah, so I'll probably drop a single sometime this fall and, and kind of start that. Start that process. You know? Just for me, the whole idea of a single is great if you follow it up with something else. Because yeah. I'm going to forget about it. I might like it a lot, and then I might sure. forget to go back and play it again because I've moved on to this record that's sitting in my pile to listen to. Yeah, so. that's that's the catch-22 these yeah. days. Everyone is such a short retention span. You right. kind of have to hit them every you know week and a half. Right. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, good luck. <laughs> well, thanks for being part of this today. It's, uh, it's my first uh, Acoustic awesome. Alternatives full band performance. And uh, again, thanks to Alan Audio for being great hosts for this. And let's meet the rest of the band. I'm going to wander over here by you, Aaron, and meet Shannon Wade. Hello, Shannon. Good. Yes. <laughs> you actually, if people want to hear you talk, you actually have to be there. Where did you grow up, Shannon? I, I don't know your background. I haven't yet. <laughs> you haven't grown up. No. No, not really. What city did you grow up in? Let me rephrase the question so I get an uh, actual answer. Yeah, I grew up just in, in Hillsdale County. Okay. You know, just the backyard was farmland, and the front yard was our high school, and a lot, Small. Of, cow, a lot of cows and corn. Yeah. Smells great. Corn, corn, corn. What's that smell? Never mind. Yeah. You don't know that song. How long have you been playing in bands? <laughs> Ooh, a long, long time. Uh, been on bass for 26 or 7 years. Mostly upright. Did you yeah. dream of a certain kind of band when you picked up the bass? Like, I want to be in a band that does this kind of music when you were No, a kid. I specifically kind of picked up bass so that I didn't have to specifically say a different type of band. I, I liked all kinds of music. I grew up um, with my dad playing a wicked radio, and he played all kinds of music, you know, bluegrass and rock and classical music even. It was great. How long have you been playing with Aaron? This is four years. You know, take a year and a quarter off. Well, yeah. Subtract what happened to all of us. Yeah. Were there any previous projects that I might have heard of that you were part of? Because I don't... Mm, I, maybe. <laughs> you <laughs> could name them. It's not offensive. Hot Club of Detroit. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Nashville Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. The list is very long and weird. And right now I play mostly duet with a guitar player named Eric McIntyre, who's a very good acoustic guitar player. And it's, it's fun and magical in the jazz sense, oh, not so much in the rock sense. Where do those gigs happen? I play every Sunday at D'Amato's Restaurant in Royal Oak with a brunch with that guitar player. Nice. And then we play everywhere else almost all the time. Was, um, well, it's an endorsement from TJ. Was bass your only instrument you've ever played? Is that, that was no, it? No, I, uh, I played trumpet in band, like TJ, uh, growing up. Or when I was little, let me rephrase, <laughs> to offer some continuity to my previous statement. Do you ever find yourself intimidated by audiences? Is, I mean, you're not, no, really, not, you're not really in their face. You're just kind of in the back. Right. Uh, being a sideman helps on that, but... Also, I think I burned out my nerves in college. Auditioning for college in front of the professor at, in Nashville was, that was about all my nerves could take. And wow. really haven't been nervous since. Well, I'm glad that you're part of the band now. I like this new configuration. This is really, really cool thing. And we have one more member to meet. And I can't face him because it'll be my back to the, uh, to this, to the cameras, which is weird. So Lauren Kranz is here Just on drums. Cheat out like this. <laughs> Direction yes, I mean, I think I think I have no idea if I'm still on the camera, but I'm assuming so. So, Lauren, where did you grow up? Uh, a little town called Freeland, Michigan. Free? Yeah, up near uh, Saginaw area, okay. Saginaw Bay City. You're still based out of there, are you not? Uh, I live there n now again. Yeah. Again. I, I lived in Ypsilanti for a long time, and uh, yeah, because you used to be around more than you are now. Mm -hmm. Yep. I. Uh, so I guess preface this with. Uh, this is my second time in the Ragbirds, right? <laughs> because uh, I joined the band in 2010, and I played with uh, I played with this group for about four years, almost four, and then uh, left to kind of pursue some other projects. Started a band of my own. Started playing with everybody uh, all over the place, all over the state, uh, as much as I could. And then 
in 2018, end of 2018, I think, uh, TJ actually called me and said, hey, we're looking for a drummer. What do you think about giving it another go? And that was, I, I gave it some time to just think about it and, and see if I would want to be in that situation because I, I was doing a lot more of kind of my own projects, fronting a band, that kind of thing. And I said, yeah, I'd, I think I would like to do that. You know, I, I would like to come back. And at that point, five years later, like you said, the band is so different. You know, like what a transition, what a almost a, a reformation, recreation of uh, of the, the Ragbirds, Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds now. You I, know? Would, I would think both incarnations would have been fun to play in as far as Super the drummers. Fun to play in. Absolutely. I mean, very rhythmic band when it was initial. Like you said, Rusted Root was a good comparison to think about how much rhythm is going on with the, what they're doing. Just totally. You're right on with the world music thing because that's one of the things that drew me to the band in the first place. And like that last song that we played, we still have a lot of that. Mm -hmm. You know, but with a little more of an edge, I think. How? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. How long have you been playing drums? Twenty-two years, two-thirds of my life. I've been playing wow. drums now. Yeah, started in sixth-grade band and quit for a little while. Picked up the piano, decided I liked the drums maybe more. Not quite sure which one I like better yet, but. Were you yeah. a drummer in like the drum line in high school? Mm-hmm. I just yes, saw sir. one of those on the, on the field of a small baseball diamond in Utica, and I thought, that looks like so much fun. Yeah. Why didn't I do that? It's a great time. <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> Who would be your, your drummer that you looked up to as far as the, uh, we'll go back to the rhythmic nature of this music. I, I can think of a drummer that would be like, ooh, that's the guy that might have influenced me if I wanted to be in a band like this. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, favorite drummers of mine would be like Levon Helm from the band um, Steve Jordan is another favorite. As far as playing really rhythmic stuff like this, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could pinpoint one exactly. But being in the drum line, being drawn to world music and uh, Afro-Cuban, African music, all that, it just was always something I, uh, I was really keen to play. And there really wasn't much going on, you know, outside of outside of college. I was uh, just fresh out of college when I joined this band, and so mm -hmm. I was all hot about all these different styles of music that I wanted to do, you know. How about Stuart Copeland from The Police? Mm, good one. Rock band For and the, sure. the rhythmic nature of that guy. That, that's basically why I don't play drums. Because Dude, I just played a, a Copeland lick on that last Oh, jeez. You called me, man. <laughs> when, when I was growing up, there was a drum set in my basement, and, and my brother would play along to records, and when he would leave the house, I'd try and do the same thing. And I, there's like <laughs> one song I could do, Back on My Feet Again by the Babies, because it was a simple thing. But I tried to play along with a police record once, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's hard <laughs> I stuff. give up. This isn't for me. For sure. A lot going on. Fast yeah. tempos, too. Yeah. What keeps you in the Bay Area? I mean, since this band is not based anywhere near where you live. Uh, my wife, mostly. <laughs> what <laughs> the heck? Why also, not? Also, I, I, uh, I play with many different groups, uh, some in West Michigan, some in Northern Michigan, some down here in the Detroit area. So kind of an equidistant spot, I guess. You know, like we were talking earlier, like everything's about two hours away, which seems like a long commute. But, yeah. I mean, that's... That's just part of the job, part of the gig. So, Well, Aaron, you've assembled a really fantastic group of people, and I would love to hear another song before we chat a little bit more. What would you like to do next? Well, thanks so much. Yeah, it's great to um, get to feature this group of guys. I feel the same way. Like I feel really super lucky, and I say it often, that I've, I've got some of the best people in the world here on stage with me, and so lucky, and also... Um, the fifth member of our band that, that, that you don't see up here with us is Mark Allen, who's, uh, who owns this studio and who set up all this for us, lights and sound. And um, he's our, our sound artist um, because he, he takes engineering to a higher level than what sound engineer can. It's not the right word for it. So we call him our sound artist, and he's uh, you know su such an important part of the presentation that we do. So I just want to mention him too as we're like featuring the band. Um, and this is another new song called Stay Behind the Wheel. You were made of light 
Zindel and the Ragbirds on acoustic slash electric alternatives and a song that, that is from some forthcoming project, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute, but i got to remind myself that this is impossible without my sponsor. So I want to thank David Palmer. He's a guy that I mentioned has believed in me for a while, especially what I was doing in radio. Uh, he specializes in helping first-time home buyers and those selling a home are still recovering from their first experience with a past agent. You can read testimonials about David's work at dcpalmer.com. He's also quite adept at estate sales and downsizing. If you're near my age and you have aging parents, you may have already had to struggle with the passing of a loved one or being left to decide what to do with a lifetime of stuff. Well, 
he's quite an experienced uh, man in that area as well. Many of us have been thinking, when the inevitable happens, what am I going to do? Well, David Palmer is your solution. He's going to walk you through the steps and, with your permission, help you manage the third parties whose services you will need. I've known him for years. He's a really great human being who has a vast knowledge of the Detroit region, cares deeply about positive social impact. He's a huge music fan. I think you'll enjoy discussing more than just your future home with David, especially if you're a fan of music like I am. Uh, please check out his website, dcpalmer.com, and see how he can help you or someone you know buy or sell a home. David Palmer is affiliated with Realty Experts, LLC, 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226. And the phone number is 313-759-9558. And David, thank you so much for being a sponsor, because this would not have been possible without you, dcpalmer.com. All right, so three songs have been done that have all been brand new. What is going on? Tell me with the recording of the next whatever it might be. Well, we were in the middle of recording a new album, or we were aiming maybe for an EP first. Um, and we were in the middle of that process when the shutdown happened last year. Um, another big thing that, that, that you, we haven't mentioned yet is the renaming of the band. And for so many years, almost 15 years, we were just called the Ragbirds. And then in 2019, we went through a, a huge change and, and you know, so much in, in my own personal transformation and the band reestablishing a new sound that we decided to um, rename the band. It's now we go by Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds. So when we, we did release already one single, with that new name to represent this new body of material that's kind of upcoming. And that was released in September of 19. And uh, that's a song called Curious. Love that song. Thank you. And so if you look like on Spotify, for example, if you look up Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds, only one song comes up because <laughs> everything else is under, you know, the, the Ragbirds, which has been an interesting challenge and in rebranding and renaming. Yeah. But um, so this new music that we're working on recording and eventually releasing is, um, is also just to uh, reintroduce the world to the music through this new, new name, new branding and everything. Um, we're going to be filming a music video for the song New Story, which is going to be our next creative project. And I feel like I keep getting this advice from everywhere around me that releasing a song without a video these days is, is almost useless, especially if it's just a single. I might agree. So we're going to be focusing our energy on uh, re filming that video and continuing to record. We, we, we were well along the way recording many of these songs, and we're kind of just in the process of deciding what to do and what's the next step. So I don't have anything to announce as far as what's the news, what's the plan, um, because... We're taking it, you know, as we go. It's also, as, as any touring band knows, uh, not really, you know, worthwhile. Like, releasing an album without a tour to support it is also not a great strategy. Because um, you can just, every, I mean, there's music being released, like, thousands. I don't know, maybe even how many songs every day are released. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. And so it's like, if you're... I don't know, if we're kind of holding on to it until we have a better, clear plan about what's the way to actually get these songs heard. So they're not just, and, and also once you release it, it's like old news within a month, you know? So you have this awesome. like tiny window of time to get that attention, media attention and mm -hmm. whatever, like hype and, and so that you actually get people to hear it because it doesn't matter how great the song is. It matters, like, I mean, that's what matters to me as the artist, but as far as, like, a, you know, band strategy and a plan for a career, uh, it's not about just making the song great. It's about having a good plan for getting it out there to the world. So we're still figuring that out. How many songs were written pre-pandemic and how many have been written post or during, I guess? Because we're still in it. We're not done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the full tally, and I haven't divided it up in that way. But between my side project as a duo with Alex Holy Cross, called Alex and Aaron, um, the side project I did with TJ as Zindles, um, my solo material, and all of the songs I've written for the Ragbirds that have yet been recorded, all of that unrecorded material, 
I have over 60 songs completely like done and, and ready that have not yet been recorded. It's a box set. Yeah, well, I, I'm just, my, my <laughs> it's kind of a, a good problem to have people say, but yeah, it kind of is, is, but you want to get it out there, though, uh, don't yeah, you? Because you want to move on to the next thing. Maybe instead of singles, we'll just do box sets from here on out. Yeah, we'll just a box. Direction. Yeah, <laughs> forget, about, forget about a single. <laughs> well, music is really important to me, and I do my best to support it in any way, shape, or form I can. Um, I know that this has been a tough year for anybody in your, your line of work. How can a band actually survive without touring in 2021? Can it happen? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been so blessed to be supported by the Birdhouse Club on Patreon. That's been a lifeline for us. And we've been sharing. It's also been a way for me to have an outlet to share these songs as I'm recording them and writing them so that the people who, who really are our true supporters that really want to hear the music, that want to have that connection with us on a deeper level and hear the behind-the-scenes stories and all of that stuff, um, that they can also financially support us and help to keep us afloat. So that's been really important for us over the last, especially over the last year and a half. And we're, um, we have a few shows booked coming up. We have a big Halloween show that we're going to be doing at cool. the Magic Bag. Um, which is Thursday, October 28th, and we're planning ahead for our, the big holiday show that we do every year, and so there's a lot of things coming up, but we're kind of looking ahead to plan for 2022 that we can be back on the road again and get the songs out there beyond just the, you know, just our Michigan people here. I'm glad to hear the Ebert and Friends show will be back. I know I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that the previous one was done right here in this room, and it was beautiful, and I loved it and enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank uh, you. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens this year. And, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen in October, whether we're going to be trapped in our houses again or not. We don't know. Are you, are you ready for that? Do you have any idea what you'll do if that happens? It's do a you? tough... <laughs> what's that? Does anybody? No, I, I don't, but, I mean... No. I, I mean, we'll do what we do. We get through, you know, we figure it out. Yeah. I, I suppose we will. Mm -hmm. What are the goals once we get back to what we'll use air quotes and say normal? Do you want to play bigger festivals again? Do you want to like do, try and get a slot on Lollapalooza at some point? Is there, is there like a plan in your head for how to take over the world? Mm. <laughs> Not literally, musically. <laughs> um, yeah, right now we just, um, our next like small goal is, is, is finding new uh, management and, and booking we're kind of looking for new representation to kind of s help us to figure out what the plan is for that next level and we're we've been doing this for so long this is our career this is you know the only job I do and so um yeah I have big ideas about getting onto bigger stages you know we we even when we play on small stages because we have Alan Audio uh production where we put on a big show uh, performance and presentation even on the small stages we're playing because we have a bigger vision for what we want you know so yeah that's the goal is to get onto the stages that feel like I don't, it's it's like worthwhile to play for 20 people it's not about the numbers you know I love playing small intimate shows but it's not a sustainable path for a musician's career unless you can get in front of audiences. And obviously in the days of pandemic, to have a job that relies on crowds <laughs> is, is a challenge. But you know, we just want to be able to sustain the process of continuing to create music and sharing it. Well, I've been a fan for a long time, and I've noticed it more so recently, but you've always had a very professional approach to what you do. It's never been half-assed. It's always been, you've taken it seriously, and I admire that about you. I mean, because there's nothing against being a local band, because local bands are great, but you guys are a local band who don't feel local. You never have. You've always felt like you're something bigger than where you're from, so. Thank you. That's a compliment, that. not a question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it leads us to our final song. What would you like to do? So our final song is uh, another new song, and this one is called Liquor Store. Thank you. Thanks, John, for having us. This is really lovely to get to talk about the music, and I appreciate that you're um, 
you've always, always encouraged and supported us over all of these years, through all of these phases of our careers. So thank you so much for your support. steals that one, by the way. <laughs> the drums are awesome on that one. Thank Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds on Acoustic Alternatives. Thank you so much to all of you for, for being part of this today. And Alan Audio, thank you for, for doing this and making it possible for me to do it from here. Grove Studios for being such encouraging people for me to even do this in the first place. And David Palmer at dcpalmer.com, because without him, I don't get to do this either. So, wow. Ebert and Friends Show, do you have any idea when you might announce that lineup? Uh, the lineup is going to be a little while before we announce it, but it's early. But you can mark your calendars for Saturday, December 11th. We're going to be doing a live show at the Arcs. Tickets are not on sale yet, so this is like a little preview. Preview, but but mark your calendars because that's going to be the date, and we're going to be doing a live stream as well. Awesome. 
you've, you've given me the privilege and honor in the past of announcing the lineup on my radio program. So I, I just I want to thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Acoustic Alternatives will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode, and I don't actually know who it is, but <laughs> Aaron Zimmel on the Ragbirds website, please. TheRagbirds.com. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us.